Hi, you're listening to the Raw Heart and Soul podcast with Tanya Carroll, where I talk with people whose life stories will inspire you and provoke thoughts about how you can live your best life by finding and following your soul purpose. Hey, did you know that I'm a coach? Well, I am. I'm a Czech professional, which means I'm a corrective exercise and physical training coach, as well as a holistic lifestyle coach. I do this face-to-face in the chiropractic clinic I share with my husband in Melbourne, as well as online all over the world. This means that I will share with you the tools that have helped others understand what living a healthy life looks and feels like, what it takes for you to get a good night's sleep, to have honest and fulfilling and meaningful relationships with the people in your life that you love, and for you to be working in a job that is fulfilling. I will help you find and live your sole purpose. I also help you understand your own personal nutrition, including digestion and all things elimination on an individual level with the stand, without the standard cookie cutter approach that just doesn't work. I have programs that include group coaching as well as one-on-one that will suit your needs and fit into your budget. If you're interested, I hope that you will go to my website, rawheartandsoul.com for more information and join our community on Facebook and Instagram at rawheartandsoul. My guest on today's podcast is Joanna Rushton. Joanna Rushton is a holistic health and energy therapist, teacher and author, and has studied under some of the world's leading holistic health practitioners and healers. Jo is a faculty member of the Czech Institute and teaches holistic lifestyle coaching level one and two across Australia, New Zealand and the US, Canada and the UK. Jo speaks and teaches internationally on health, nutrition, wellness and lifestyle and runs a multidisciplinary private practice where she works with individuals and families. Joe's expertise lies in providing the practical tools and emotional support required to implement change across all levels of your life, physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. Joe is also the co-founder and director of Bavana Organic Farm and Cooking School, located in the hinterland of Byron Bay. Her passion for the land and working in harmony with Mother Nature to provide simple and delicious food experiences in a nurturing environment has been the inspiration behind Bavana. Hi, and welcome to the Raw Heart and Soul podcast. Today I have with me a very good friend of mine, Joe Rushton. Hi, Joe. Hi, beautiful. <laughs> um, Joe, can you tell us a little bit, little bit about yourself and what you do and yeah, some of your history? Because I know you from being a member of the Czech faculty because that's where we, we met on HLC3, I think, for the first time, didn't we? We did. We did yeah. HLC3 together. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, well, um, I guess background-wise, um, formally trained years and years and years ago as a chef um, and uh, afforded a wonderful life of travel and exploring cuisine and culture for a number of years. That took me lots of places around Europe and America and South Africa, uh, Channel Islands, and then over to Australia. And it was when I landed in Australia, I just kind of got this sense of, oh my gosh, I'm home. It was just this, I, I, I said to my partner at the time, um, if we end up having an opportunity to stay, let's pursue it. And we both actually felt the same way about the land and the energy. And so that's basically what happened within about a few weeks before we were due to move on to New Zealand because we only had a year's working permit and um, it was literally I think in our our last three months and we we got offered a sponsorship so was that still um, teaching cooking and and as a chef or was it yeah (laughs) yes yes it was in fact um, it was for the Australian Navy Wow. out at uh, Watson's Bay. So they um, had tendered out all of their catering to private tender, you know, quite some years ago, all, all the defense forces had done so. And I happened to, random as the universe does, just lands you at the right time, uh, was looking through the paper and saw, saw an ad needed for a, just a chef to party um, at Watson's Bay working for the Defence Force, and I saw Circo Sodexo, which was the catering provider. And I was just like, oh my gosh, I worked for them back in London. So just followed followed it up, ended up uh, getting an interview, and then got on really well with, with the manager there, the catering manager, and he said, you know what, 
honestly, you know, you, you could really take a head chef position. Why do you why do you want this position? I'm like, well, to be honest with you, um, I'm really looking for for a sponsorship to stay in the country. So if you're willing to uh, support me with that, then you can have my skills and put me in at this level and get twice what you're paying for. Yeah. And that's kind of what I negotiated. And he said, wow, okay, well, look, let me look into what it takes to, to sponsor you. And, and that's what we did. And he ended up uh, sponsoring me. And then uh, within six months being there, the head chef left <laughs> and then the executive chef left. And within a year I was in that position and then they um, sponsored my residency. So oh, wow. okay, I was going to ask you how that happened because it's a big jump. It is. It, yeah, <laughs> it, it all happened over a two year period of, of just, you know, landing on my feet, you know, it's meant to be. And the deal was for sponsoring me for residency. I'd give them three years of my commitment, which I did. And towards the end of those three years, I was uh, losing passion and interest in cooking. Yeah. Mass, 400 meals a day, breakfast, lunch, dinner. Yeah. And um, was, yes, was, was, you know, no matter, no matter how diverse I would try and bring some creativity to the menu, it was never met particularly. <laughs> very in a friendly atmosphere. Yeah. They, you know, they had very standard things that they wanted to be served. So then it was sort of in that, I was at that career point. And I transitioned, um, well, I came out in 98. So, you know, I guess I was out here for a year. Um, so it was really in the early 2000s uh, that I transitioned and I was really at that crossroads. I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I knew I didn't want to be in the kitchen any longer. And it was my partner at the time. She said, oh, you know, if you're not in the kitchen, you're in the gym. Like you're always trying to balance the two. Yeah. Um, why don't you go and study Cert 3, Cert 4 in personal training? And, and that was literally just a conversation one night in bed. And I was just like, yeah, okay, that's what I'll do. So, you know, I, I did that part time. And then I, because I was, um, I worked in nine to five at the base. Yeah. I got my certification and then at the local gym, I took on a, a, a job where I'd start programming new members and that would sort of happen first thing in the morning, last thing at night after work. And then before I knew it, I had people approaching me asking if I would start doing some training with them. And I literally, it took me about a year and a half to build up my business, personal training business to the point where um, I was making more than I was doing nine till five yeah. on a Friday at the base. And so at that point I'd done my three years and I had decided that, you know, I was going to transition. So that was sort of my first um, major transition of career and out of employment into self-employment and path of um, really the path there of meeting Paul, um, <clears throat> which I guess happened um, oh, a, few, a few years later. Um, do you remember what, how you first came across Paul Check? Um, do you remember Alan Gould? Oh, Scarecrow Man, that... Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Gosh, his name keeps coming up. Yeah. Really? Yeah, in the last couple of months, he keep, it keeps coming up with different people, but yes. So um, I was, you know, good friends with Alan Gould back then and um, used to see each other at the gym and... He said, uh, have you ever heard of Paul Check?" And I said, no. And he said, oh, I think he'd really love his stuff. And so it was really through Alan that I met Paul. And then my first experience of Paul was a advanced Swiss ball training um, workshop that he was over doing a tour at the time. Yeah. And um, I went along to one of those and was just, you know, blown away as you were. Yeah. And um, then I decided from there to, to go and do... HLC one, and that was sort of my initiation onto the path of the the Czech philosophy. Did you have like was cooking your creative outlet before this? Because now I know what you're doing, and we'll get into that in a little while. But you're very spiritual. You're very creative. You're very in touch with um, what it takes for you to be fulfilled creatively. Did you find that in cooking and then lose it? Or did you find that in personal training and then not find it? Like, how did that 
change? That's a really great question. I, you know, I, I am very much here learning about manifesting that creative expression. Um, And I feel that, yes, all the different things that I've looked to do, creating my highest potential has been very much about um, how to create a life of, of joy and abundance and fulfillment and Sometimes we find that through our career, sometimes we don't. They don't necessarily go hand in hand. But when you're really mastering that creation energy and, and stepping into learning how to co-create for your highest potential, then my experience of that is that it's morphed itself so many times. So cooking was a creative outlet for me until it no longer was but there were in each outlet I've had there's been some real fundamental lessons about the law of creation mm-hmm. you know I've been learning along do, the way do they do they repeat themselves in similar ways in different avenues often yes <laughs> <laughs> until they get learned <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so tell us exactly what you're doing now, because you were you did HLC one, and then I said I met you in HLC three, and I know at that particular course you were actually there observing as well, because Paul by that stage had asked you to become faculty, I think. Um, or was yeah, it after that? Yeah, so yeah, yeah, quite quite possibly by by then. Um, I yeah, I felt really really blessed and honoured when when Paul said to me, you know, would you like to teach? HLC one and uh, and it was kind of surreal in a way because I remember when I got taught HLC one by Dr Oliver yeah I remember thinking to myself oh my god how cool would it be to teach this stuff and inspire people around these teachings and then you know lo and behold however many years later um, you know the man himself's asking how I feel about teaching and sharing yeah and um, so I felt very honoured, very blessed, and it's really been a path. You know, I, I have so much to thank Paul for because he really initiated me on my path of teaching. Mm-hmm. And he saw in me what I hadn't yet been able to see in myself. Yeah. And he really got behind me and supported me to step into that teacher archetype and uh, learn how to be that, that, that teacher from my own personal experience. I always remember him saying, you know, Joe, it's not so much the information, the science that I want you to teach, because you know, you know, they they can get that in a textbook. Yeah. I just want you are uh, you live this, you live the Czech philosophy. Teach people how you live it. Yeah. Just go and do that, and you'll be fine. And I'm like, right, okay, just like that. <laughs> just like that. All of your download, you're not going to give me anything other than just that. Yeah. So, you know, it was, it was a big initiation onto the path of finding my own way of teaching, staying within the context of the curriculum, but learning how to make that information, you know, mine in respects to how I've embodied it, how I make it part of my daily life. And, you know, of course, nutrition is a large part of what we teach in HLC1. So that gave me a creative outlet to share my skills as a chef, my knowledge of food. And, you know, a huge learning for me was, you know, when I was a chef, it wasn't about the nutrition of food and, and, and it's medicinal um, properties of the body and how it heals. Um, It was all about what looks good and tastes good. So, you know, there was a, a big, milestone of of integrating those skills and knowledge of food and then bringing in the understanding of of food for the body at a very you know a very different level and that that's been a that's been an amazing journey for me that that's that actually what rekindled my creative um, love of working with food and that's the creativity behind Bavana and our organic cooking farm and school up in Byron is, is, you know, once a month I get to come out of the clinic and get in the kitchen and go into the organic farm and get your hands in the dirt. Yeah. And, and create and be in that real creative space where um, again, I'm teaching people how to work with food, but in a way that's fun, inspiring, creative, 
and nurturing and nourishing and you know where foods of benefit rather than the problem yeah um you're teaching in another school as well with the path of light or is that your own program no that's another school that i'm teaching so that's the master's way is a a, a three-year self spiritual self-mastery course and mm -hmm. that's a um, a body of work that's been channeled by um, a lady called Ishtar. Um, her full name is Inisa, um, Ish, uh, Inisa Mabu Ishtar. Quite that's a mouthful. Yep. <laughs> she goes by the name of Ishtar. Ishtar. And um, she's a beautiful, beautiful embodied channel that's been, it's probably, oh, activated about 20 plus years ago. Um, she's in her mid to late 60s and she has been working training with the masters for the last 20 years. Which and masters for people who don't understand exactly what that is can you explain a little bit more about that yeah. side of calling so, masters down? So the Ishtar works with a, um, a group of enlightened masters known as the Council of 33. Mm -hmm. So she channels 33 ascended masters, ascended meaning that um, they have all walked the earth. earth yep. uh, they have come into their mastery mm -hmm. and they have created unity in their consciousness to the point of no longer needing to come back and have the earthly experience. Right. So they now reside in their light body. Yep. Um, in the enlightened realms, in various dimensions, um, they work as a council of light. Mm -hmm. And her gift is the ability to open her own channel, mm -hmm. her own pillar, and receive the frequency of these um, ascended masters and receive the teachings that they offer us to help us on our path here to really learn how to ground our light and ground our mastery as a soul and come into being the, the, the master creators that we are. And yeah, it's, it's, it's beautiful work. The first year is path of light, learning all about the masculine heart of God or, or the masculine consciousness, which, which, you know, to keep it digestible and grounded is, is all about our ability to make a choice. It's all about our will, right? It's the use of our will, what we choose to do, um, the choices we make, the actions we take, what gets created from those choices and actions mm -hmm. is the learning process of us yielding our will what we you know place our power into yeah the consequences of that and the consequences of that and becoming aware of becoming conscious of what will are we listening to mm. is it the will of our ego and are we creating through the lower mind and needs and fear and desires and wants etc mm -hmm. or are we lifting expanding our consciousness and reconnecting to our higher mind which gives us the ability to align to our soul's purpose and follow our soul's guidance and the moment that happens um, magic happens in your life you know you lift out of the limitations created by the ego and yeah. you start to feel a sense of grace and ease and support when you step into that alignment I totally understand that. But for someone coming from the perspective of being based in a very, um, I guess you would call it earth-bound thinking, science-minded, or even religion, how would you, like, how do you explain that without scientific evidence? Well, it comes back to the experience that you're having of yourself. You know, when we talk about what it's like to be here in the third dimension, the energy is very dense. Dense so, as in thick as in you can feel it? Dense as thick to the point where it's so dense it's taken on form. Right. Right? And we are now in a physical body. Yeah. And that's the third dimension, our mm -hmm. physicality. Matter. Matter represents the third dimension. Mm -hmm. So anything that's taken on form, any light that's actually taken on form. And um, shape. And shape. And... 
the frequency of that light really has to slow down to do that. So, you know, as we move through life experiencing um, physicality and the physical reality we're choosing to create, we might, um, we might use words such as, you know, feeling stuck or it's a struggle mm. or um, it feels limiting. Mm -hmm. And these are all experiences that the, um, the, the spirit of soul are having when we only associate ourselves as being nothing more than, than, than physicality. Yep. Than so we can see and touch in touch yeah so you know we have to it's very hard if, if if you're locked in the lower lower mind of thinking and believing that all you are is what you can see weigh measure hear taste touch, quantify qualify yeah. right quantify qualify and prove mm. if you're stuck in that limited thinking then you are going to be challenged to expand your consciousness and when you expand your consciousness you raise your vibration mm -hmm. you raise your frequency out of the third dimension that governs physicality and you start coming into a higher vibrational experience where your mind starts to open and you start to question things and you start to go really is this is this all we are really mm. And the moment that happens, then that's, that's the part of your soul that starts to activate and bring awareness to you actually being a spiritual being here, having a physical experience rather than the density of the belief that we're physical with the potential of a spiritual experience. Yeah. It's the other way around, isn't it? Mm, it is. And, you know, I, it, it it does require people to open their minds and and go beyond the the doubts and it requires people to um believe it to see it rather than needing to see it to, see it to believe it yeah so the moment we're in you know skepticism or doubt or distrust of what we can't see and weigh and measure then we, we, we actually close the portal of consciousness within our heart chakra. Mm. Um, and we close that out of fear, fear of what we don't know, fear of what we don't understand, fear of what we can't see. Fear of letting go of the beliefs that we've had about our systems up until this point. Mm. Mm. And when that happens, the, you know, the heart closes, we get stuck back in the lower mind and we get pulled back into the belief that this is all we are. Yeah. And that becomes the resonance that we hold. Yeah. And the universe has this beautiful law of resonance and it will bring to you people, experiences, events, places, things that resonate at your resonance yeah. for the purpose of you becoming aware mm -hmm. so that you can actually have an experience of yourself. But of course it comes re relevant to that Resonance. So you're always reaffirming yourself. You're always reaffirming your beliefs. And to the degree in which they're limited, you'll yep. attract experiences that are limited and they'll reaffirm, see, told you. <laughs> yeah. Until we start to do a little bit of work on ourselves, which is what Path of Light is all about. Yeah. You start to have experiences and also um, you are supported and, and worked with um with the ascended masters that offer their frequency of course we have to choose to open to receive it yeah they will step forward and they will offer their frequency and as you make a choice to be inquisitive curious open to receive then what happens is um strands of your dna start to be activated mm -hmm. and you start to open to new consciousness and with all new consciousness new questions new awarenesses come Child, would you say that's childlike like you become curious about the world around you again that's right that's right our inner child is the most um hmm, has the most wisdom accounts for the greatest part of our psyche yeah our inner child 
greatest accounts for the greatest part of our aspects and is most connected to past, present and future and can teach us oh so very much. But of course, unfortunately, there, there is the inner child wounding and, and the wounding and the separation that occurs uh, with the inner child when there has been um, either abuse, physical, mental abuse, or neglect or abandonment or rejection of the um, child's experience in childhood. And that doesn't have to be in this lifetime. Yeah, it can be previous lifetimes, can't it? It can. Um, you just made me think of something that I haven't thought of up until now, but that's probably the most repressed of our archetypes, that child, when we're continually told to grow up. Like through one of the things I kept told when I was a child, and I'll tell you a story. I, um, I loved Cabbage Patch dolls when I was a kid. And I remember it was my 13th birthday and I already had two Cabbage Patch dolls. And for those who didn't grow up in the 80s, go back and look up what a Cabbage Patch doll is. It was huge here in Australia because I came from America. Anyway, um, I wanted a, which was a new one, a premium cabbage, cabbage Patch doll for my 13th birthday. And my mum had asked one of our neighbours and said, do you think it's inappropriate for, her, for me to get a... A cabbage patch doll for my 13th birthday and I think she said no anyway I got the cabbage patch doll in the end anyway but I used to hide that from like my friends and stuff that I used to play with them still and my dad used to say don't play with those in front of me as a 13 year old because you need to start growing up yeah so would you say that's one of the things that you see in your practice that people need to get in touch with that child archetype again um, one of the major problems that they have very often I, I do, uh, one of the therapies that I do with my clients is inner child work. And it's a very specific um, process that involves um, um, a state of hypnosis so mm -hmm. that you're starting to um, access the subconscious and the unconscious. And the process helps, is a process of reconnecting to the inner child mm -hmm. and learning um, well, it, it's, it's a process that is, is one that is, is facilitated. It's very beautiful. Um, it's it's a, a process of allowing because it's really allowing what is there healed and unhealed to reveal itself. Mm. And of course, um, that can be anything from incredibly traumatic um, to the realization that our child can be our greatest avatar. Mm. And I absolutely, when I look at the path of healing uh, to bring balance and harmony and healing back to our inner child is crucial, essential to bring wholeness back to our, our spirit and our, our you know, our experience here um, as a human being mm. here, then yes, the inner child is an incredibly important aspect of our consciousness to work with. And when we do, and we bring that balance back, it's our inner child, as I say, that, that becomes the avatar to, um, to our soul's mission and purpose. It, it, it holds so much wisdom. Yeah. And, you know, what, what is there to teach us and of course, the attributes of the curiosity and the seeing the magic and the wonder in everything, that's, you know, that's one of the beautiful qualities of, of the inner child when, when it's balanced. One of the other questions I wanted to ask you today, one of the reasons I brought you on here is because in the last six months, and we talked about this just briefly before we came online, but what is a codependent relationship? Because people have been asking, and I've been seeing this come up since COVID, but how would you describe a codependent relationship and how do those symptoms of that affect adults? <sighs> Where do you start, Joe? Where do you start with that? <laughs> well, having, having traveled through the codependency back into interdependency, um, I guess I can you know, share from my personal, personal experience. Yeah. Um, but the first thing that I would say is that, you know, you don't realize you're in a codependent relationship 
until you realize, right? You don't know what you don't know. Yeah. And how do we find ourselves in codependent relationships? Well, unconsciously seeking in another what we feel we either don't have within ourselves or don't have the capacity to fulfill the need of within ourselves, whether that's something as practical as looking after ourselves, getting a job, you know, making money, being, um, being able to create uh, all the way through to looking for somebody else for love or acknowledgement or acceptance or um, someone to complete you like the line from the movie yeah you know that's what we do I mean Osho says it I think most beautifully and I haven't found another quote better than Osho's to depict really the journey of co uh, codependence into interdependence and that is we have to fall in love which means that we have to become a fool yeah uh, which is to lose our consciousness, our awareness. And, you know, what are we doing when we fall in love? We literally are giving ourselves to the person that we um, are um, besotted by, that we're under this magic spell, mm -hmm. you know, and, and that spell of love, believing that they are, um, they complete me, as you say, they're, they're the everything that I've been looking for. Yeah, really, they're the everything that you think you're not, and they're there to mirror and be the reflection of that. Yeah. Um, but that's one of our lessons, right? That's what right. we have to awaken and, and learn to. So, of course, we don't know we're in codependency until we find ourselves there. And the awakening to what we have chosen, you know, can be really painful. Mm. Um, because whatever that catalyst is that, that occurs in our life, that is the awakening and the realization that how I'm living my life and the choices I'm making and what I'm creating isn't making me happy any longer. Mm, yeah. And, and that I'm, you know, I'm responsible for it I'm responsible for what I've created. And, you know, that, that was, that was my awakening was, was this real, this realization, you know, I mean, I had 12 beautiful years with my first girlfriend mm -hmm. and uh, we're still wonderful friends now. And I came out of that relationship, of course, having learned so much about myself and so committed to myself that I wouldn't go back into Mm -hmm. any of those destructive patterns you know or I would move into the next relationship more aware and more awake and um, and on some levels I was but then on other levels you weren't but then on other, other levels I I wasn't and um I feel you know looking back and just using my own example um my warrior wounds of of um feeling so responsible for other people's well-being and feeling responsible to provide, protect and um, the wounds of, you know, the, my, my warrior archetype um, meant that when I found myself in, in my second relationship, um, that there came a time when that next catalyst came to wake me up mm -hmm. to what are you creating you're creating the same feeling of stuckness again mm. you're creating the same feeling of limitation again and it was at a time in my life where everything was such a struggle you know you mentioned before do you seem to get those same lessons but they just come in different packages yeah and here I was again having this same lesson around what felt like the struggle to create my highest potential. Being and held back. Being, yep, feeling like I was being held back and didn't know how to create it. And, um, and so that was the catalyst in, in, in this relationship that 
brought me to really look at, oh my God, I'm, I've done it again. I've unconsciously put myself in a situation where my, my, my need to be this responsible person for myself and everyone else yeah. has pushed me into the corner. It's pushed my back up against the wall into a corner. And that's what I've created for myself. How far down did you go? How dark did you get, Joe? Oh, um, we, we hit the bottom of the barrel um, to the point where, um, you know, I, I felt like I had expressed my challenges and expressed my needs. Um, but, you know, at the time, there was not the clear communication that meant that the other person heard me. Mm -hmm. And so there was always a miscommunication. Um, so to the point where, you know, I had to step away. You know, I made that, that decision to... to Dis disconnect? This, yeah, dis disconnect, to, to step away. I, need, I needed space. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, I look, I look back and we both, um, Susie and I both say that, you know, as hard as it was, it was what we both needed. Yeah. And just to clarify, you and Susie, that's the same relationship and you're still together now? Oh, and we are, because of, because of working through that catalyst, because that, that catalyst, you know, I want to say to anyone out there who's in a codependent relationship, who's seeking dependency is what I was seeking but I didn't have words for it yeah I didn't even have the awareness through that through that period I'd got so far down the barrel of fight and flight and just trying to take care of um, safety and security paying the bills right yeah that that I didn't I couldn't access a, a higher wisdom I couldn't access my higher mind yeah yeah, I was completely overwhelmed by the ego's needs, wants, shoulds, shouldn'ts, etc. Yeah, the things that it wasn't, or the situation, what the what situation wasn't. Yeah, yeah, mm. and didn't you know? Didn't know how to communicate that. So, you know, what I want to say to anyone out there who's in that situation, what what was absolutely evident to me was it was nothing about not being in love anymore i was just going to say the same thing yeah right it wasn't about me not wanting to be with susie it wasn't about um you know feeling like um what we had wasn't wasn't enough the commitment i had made to myself from my previous relationship mm -hmm. i had made a promise to myself that i would never put what I feel I'm here, my mission, what I feel I'm here to share. Your sole purpose. I'll never put that second again. <laughs> and so <laughs> careful what you wish for. <laughs> for and place as a vow and a contract out there. Um, because the universe will tell you when you're not sticking to that vow or that sole contract it, that you've made with yourself. So um, there I was. Um, feeling exactly that feeling that you know I wasn't doing what I felt I'd, I'd come here to do and and so it was it was that that I felt I was needing to break you know break free of of the limitation that felt that left me feeling that I wasn't able to pursue that so it wasn't separation from the relationship it was separation from those feelings around that but that and that required physical separation yeah. I had to physically separate from the relationship for me to get clear what the hell was going on, what mm. was it that I needed. And of course, you know, at that point in the midst of, of that, that's like a tsunami coming through. Yeah. That's we see that separation on a very low vibration level as complete. That's it. That's the end. Yeah. Humans will see that as it's done. Like we're separated, we're done. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, I think... Um, instantly that's where Susie's mind went to so naturally she went into fight and flight mm. and you've just got two egos that <laughs> butting heads butting heads right two very strong wills that are butting heads trying to get heard 
trying to be understood. Um, and you know what I what I will say to that is um, that that's that space that I took. I'm forever grateful. I'm ever, you know forever grateful for how it un unfolded and and it was a classic example of the six stages of transformation. Mm. Right where there had been something brewing for a long time, right? Yep. Um, and, and you could just feel, you know, tension was building, tension was building. And then all of a sudden I snapped. And overflowed. Right? And the tsunami came in and the destruction happened. Um, and then you're just in that chaos and that whirlwind. Yeah. So we call those chaos cycles in the Czech program, yeah. That's it. And we were just, you know, in one of those. And um, that time that I stood back was that time for things to settle down. You know, I needed space, I needed um, to take stock. And it was in that time where I started to get so much clarity about how I had created this codependency, right? Yeah. Now, we both participated in that. Yeah. But I absolutely had a role to play in this unconscious need to fulfill um, my wounded warrior, right? Who thinks he has to do everything, be everything. Save everybody. Right? And then someone else has got to play that role who, you know, is, is, is happy for you to step in and, and be that person. Yeah. Right? Until the scales no longer feel balanced and my warrior is just like, can't even pick up its sword anymore yeah and, and just you know it's got no fight left and that's when I had I, I looked and I, I was like oh my god I just you know I've created all of this that you know this is how I've created and and you know Susie will have her own experience of you know understanding what what she's created through through that and and all of this serving the purpose for us to awaken mm all of this serving the, for the purpose for us to become aware of what we don't want so we can become more aware of what we do want and step into that new consciousness that's so important because people get so lost in that hmm. and of course to the degree in which there was you know there's fear you 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 fear pursuing something different you know you and you fear uh, confronting the elephant in the room you, you you fear confronting because the truth is I didn't know what was going to happen either way but I got to that point of knowing that um, my mission and purpose was one of the most important things and my current life wasn't serving that it wasn't supportive of that right and that 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 became my that became my choice and from that as I said it's been um an absolute gift a gift of so many things a gift of of um communication a gift of learning so much about myself susie learning so much about herself me learning so much about how i process information i process it through the mental body susie processes it through the emotional body you get those wow. two trying to commu communicate with each other um when the emotions want to be heard and, and the mind just wants to, uh, it. right. <laughs> just, just, you know, solve the problem. Yeah. Logic it out. Yep. And, and yeah, exactly. Logic it out and not have to feel it. Mm. And, and so amazing, uh, learnings, amazing experiences. We, um, we had a dear friend that supported us, you know, um, through that, through some amazing psychotherapy. Yeah. And on the other side of that, we are sitting in our own home zones, mm -hmm. right? Like by the side of each other, in our mm -hmm. own home zones, walking this path now um, with, with this... And it doesn't, you know, we continue to work on it to this day, but this ability to 
first and foremostly always check in on ourselves you know that's step one like we, we with yourself first with ourselves first yep. you know before we go and communicate before we go and have a conversation yeah that that, that needs presence what am I feeling? How do I feel about this situation? What am I taking into this relationship in this moment right now? Yes, yes. What is it that I'm feeling in this moment right now? Self-empathy. Mm. Own what it is that I'm feeling. Honour it. Acknowledge it. Hold myself with that. Mm -hmm. Go and project it. Yeah, yeah. Right? Hold it. Own it. And... You know, through that self-empathy, you know, what is it that, that, that I can do for myself and this part of me? Mm. Before I go and articulate what my needs are and put a request out there. Yeah. In the hope that someone else... Fulfills them. Fulfills those needs. Yeah. And, you know, we're here as creator beings and we're co-creating. So it's not that, you know, I've gone on and done um, a lot of... Um, Marshall Rosenberg, Dr. Marshall Rosenberg's work of nonviolent communication. Right, yeah, okay. And um, love, I love that model, but it is just a model, but, but if you go deep enough, it really, there's such a deeper gift within the practice of NVC, nonviolent communication, communication yeah. um, that is far beyond just the model mm -hmm. and the concept. And what it offers, the gift that this, this offers, that MVC offers, is a way of communicating with yourself and your own being and your own needs and the deepest part of you, the deepest part of you. And, and being able to learn how to have that conversation with yourself and get really clear about what it is that you're feeling. And, and, big, yep. and just in that, you know, navigating how we feel often we name foes rather than feelings mm -hmm. and that path to interdependency um, is really about learning what it is that you're really feeling in the moment mm. um, and allowing space for that feeling to be allowing yes and and yeah for me a huge learning in allowing myself to 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 have a sensory experience a sensory experience of the feeling yeah what is my body doing how is that responding physiologically how am i feel you know what does that feeling feel like rather than thinking the feeling yeah which would always be my default i work very much through the mental planes and the higher mental planes but it needs to be integrated it also needs to be practiced yeah like it's not something you just learn and you can go okay i'm doing that now you need to practice that yourself yeah yeah, yeah. and you know i've learned an enormous amount about um so much suppressed energy in mm -hmm. my body as that experience continues to unravel and you you know, the, the, the power in coming out of a co-dependent relationship into an interdependent relationship. When you're in interdependency, you're always strategizing. Mm -hmm. You're always strategizing as to how to get your needs met. Half the time you don't realize that you're seeking for a need to be met because you're not even aware enough to articulate what it is you're feeling to know what it is that you're needing to yeah. ask and yeah. request, right right so in in codependency it's it's very you know we we're unconsciously coercing and and manipulating and bribing and and projecting and blaming and judging and um, compromising ourselves yeah yeah compromising and sacrificing and and more often than not unaware that we're doing it unconsciously they just learn learned patterns of survival yeah I was going to ask you that where is our first codependent relationship learned with our parent mother or father 
where does interdependency in relationship from our mother or father come into the play at what age or around what stage of life well that you know <laughs> if it ever does happen <laughs> um if that was to happen healthily naturally um as a organic state of evolution that you might see through something like um, um, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, yep. you like, of needs and growing through those needs. Um, you will start to see that through the latter stages of adolescence. Mm -hmm. um, but I also take into consideration that, you know, the, the male brain isn't fully developed until, well, some say 21, some say 22 to 23. I've been hearing 25. Yeah. Yeah. That's frontal lobe. Yeah. Yeah. So frontal lobe until 25. Now, if that's the case, are you fully in, are you, are you fully dependent enough by then to make <laughs> You know what's going through my head, Joe. All children are different. And if you haven't listened to my podcast before, I have six children and one of those children is more codependent than the others. And I don't think it's going to be 25. <laughs> right. Right. My question is, should we even be looking or expecting it before then? Yeah, probably not. Not if the brain hasn't evolved and developed to a stage where it can be interdependent. Does that mean children shouldn't be getting into relationships before that age then? Like, how far do you go down the rabbit hole? Well, you know, understanding that, you know, every, every opportunity is one of learning, isn't it? Mm. That's, you know, that's, that's what we're, we're given. So rather than there being a right or a wrong, there will always be just what is, what is unfolding in the moment, um, whether that's, you know, at a early adolescence, you know what 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 is ideal i don't i think um i think every every individual has has an ideal i don't it's like our diets there's no one fits all yeah you know yeah and maybe the best example for this is modeling yeah well and that's you know that's why i'm you know a, a huge advocate of of parents i do a lot of couple counselling and a huge advocate of, of parents that find themselves um, navigating, trying to stay together because first and foremost, it's for the children. I don't know about you, but I don't agree with that at all. It can be a very, very da dangerous choice to make. I think children are much smarter than we give them credit for energetically and they know when that's happening. Absolutely. And of course, from what you've just said before, if we're modelling, we're modeling to them essentially that we have to sacrifice yeah. essentially that it's not okay to move forward towards our highest potential yeah. um, that we have to make choices that limit us and suppress us um, and this is all information that's you know fed energetically across these waves and, and intergenerational it's not just our generation or our children it's yeah yeah very much so very much so so you know it doesn't surprise me that this is a subject at the moment that so many people are being faced with i mean during covid we're, we're in lockdown we're in confined places you're spending more time than you normally would with the person that you know is your significant other and the law of reflection is going to be you know at play a whole lot more than what it normally is and so Probably people are, are, are being awakened to the fact that, oh, oh my gosh, you know, I'm in this codependent relationship. I'm playing this role that I don't want to play anymore. How, how do I, A, what new role do I want to play? Yeah. <laughs> Number one. Yeah. Uh, how do I stop playing this one? And how can I morph into one that is aligning me more towards my highest potential? Mm. You know, and all of those things need to be un unpacked and, and, room given for those things to be unpacked and support networks around that yeah yeah absolutely um 
but to you know going back to as said with with you know he says we we have to fall in love before we rise in love and there's so much in that oh. one sentence right we have to fall in love in other words we have, we have to, to give of ourselves we have to you know absolutely hand ourselves over we have to be the fool that does that hence we have to you know fall in love as well yeah um, but then the rising in love is that rising out of codependency the rising in love is to realize that love is so much more than the physical experience of love whether it's intimacy and sex and lust and um, emotions to realize that to rise in love is understanding the nature of consciousness that love is mm. and that love as we move through that that conscious state into the highest expression of love that one might say is unconditional love which you know is a huge huge mastery mm. for any human being um and and the closest we'll ever come to that mastery in the human form is to start to offer that unconditional love to ourselves. yeah first first and foremostly and and i think it's unrealistic to you know uh we we can aspire through the unconditional love of of ourself we can choose to you know aspire to hold it for another but first and foremostly that state of unconditional love which 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 is not an emotion it's it's not a thought it's not an action it's a high vibrational state of being that's actually neutral mm. has no polarity mm. you're no longer um pulled one way or the other it's mm. this, it's this state of of really acknowledging accepting and and embracing what is no matter what it is yeah a huge 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 lesson in my life really coming into a place of unconditional love for myself because it it also means at times not about liking or agreeing with what is mm -hmm. right it's just knowing that it is letting it be letting it be present right acknowledging it mm -hmm. letting it exist however it does exist not trying to change it for, for for comfort's sake, for example, or for fear's sake. Yeah, totally, totally. And so, you know, it's it's a big um, it's a big initiation. Anybody who's brave enough to use their relationship as a path of growth, which um, you know is is what it's there for. Yeah. Um, but you have to step into it. And if anyone's sitting there feeling like they are stuck codependent then you know before you um go and throw a grenade <laughs> at your relationship um you know or or you let it continue until the fuse you know um sparks i would you know if, if, if any of these feelings are what you are feeling right now go away and just start to sit with taking responsibility first and foremostly for mm -hmm. your part to play in, in you know, okay, relationship. Yeah. No matter how much you're experiencing something you don't want to be experiencing, look at how it is that you're projecting that out there. Start to take ownership for what it is that you are feeling, what you um, have created, the role that you play. Whether mm -hmm. you want to play it or not, you have chosen to do so. Yeah. Consciously or unconsciously. Right, and there's your power right there. You're getting to learn about your will, getting to learn about your your what we call your light. Yeah. That power to make a choice. And if that's where, you know, anyone listening, if that's what they are realizing, then you know, start to just take some time, create some space and start to get clear about what it is that you you do want, because what you do want doesn't necessarily not involve who you're with. No. No, I think it's just as important to get clear on what you don't want as well. Yes, it, abs it absolutely is. That's, you know, as we know, and, yeah. the nightmare can help us towards the dream. Absolutely. And that's not necessarily that you don't want that relationship. You don't want your part that you're playing in that relationship right now. Mm. Doesn't mean the relationship ends. It might just mean it evolves and morphs. Mm. And that's, you know, that's that's been my experience. We are... Um, closer, deeper, um, more understanding 
more supportive, more, more everything that you hope for, stepping into that interdependent relationship. There's more, uh, there's so much more strength and power in what we have because we're both standing in our power. Yeah, and that's beautiful. Um, thank you for being with us here today, Joe. This has been amazing. Um, I also just want to say to anyone who's listening, if you do need help, please, please, please reach out to somebody that you trust. You can reach out to myself or you can reach out to Joe, and her details will be in the show notes of this show. Um, yeah, but if you're in that space, know that there's light on the other side of it. There is. It's uh, an initiation you're going through and, you know, growth can be painful at times, but there is a beautiful gift to be unwrapped. And if you're willing to stay the course, um, then your soul will thank you. It's totally worth it. Thanks, Joe. You're welcome. Thank you. <laughs> If you've been inspired by the guests on this podcast and you'd like more information about how to find your own soul purpose, you can contact us on rawheartandsoul.com for further information about our four, eight and 12 week programs. This podcast is for information purposes only. Statements and views expressed on the podcast are not medical advice. This podcast, including Tanya Carroll and the producers, disclaims responsibility for any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own and this podcast does not endorse or accept responsibility for statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. Individuals on this podcast may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to herein. If you think you have a medical problem, please consult with your licensed physician.